G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 23 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at the importance of taking all ministries and decisions we make before God in prayer. Do we invest in prayer before we jump headlong into a new direction in life or a new ministry? We should, even if we're super busy and don't have the time. If we don't have time for a day of prayer, then we don't have time to start a new, dis- a new ministry. Time in prayer is never wasted time. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 23 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 22 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we took a look at how when Peter was arrested and waiting to be sentenced to death, the church gathered together and prayed for him. And not just one prayer for a minute. They prayed constantly, potentially for days. And their faith began to waver, so much so that when their prayer was answered, they didn't believe it at first. But despite their doubts, When their prayer was finally answered, their faith was strengthened, and Peter left them with the command to spread the news of his rescue by God. That faithful prayer was a demonstration of their authentic faith. They didn't just say they were Christian. They lived it. They had so much faith in God that they were willing to take days and nights off regular life to pray for Peter's rescue. We looked at that in relation to the Western Church today. The sad statistics are that since the early 2000s, over 50% of young people who have grown up in the church have left and never come back. And why should they? The picture of Christianity that the Western Church by and large displays is that it's something to fill 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. So many adults talk the talk on Sunday and are someone completely different at home. And when young people see that, it is incredibly damaging. So I challenge us to have an authentic faith. If we want to raise a new generation that is even more passionate about Jesus than us, our lives need to reflect our faith every single day, no matter where we are, no matter who we are around. Young people need to see that our faith is real, and one way to show it's real is to faithfully pray. And when God answers prayer, tell those stories. Don't chalk it up to a coincidence or keep quiet about it. God doesn't just answer our prayer for our benefit. He also answers it for the benefit of those who trust us, who know that when we tell them the story, that it's true. This week, 
We're looking at making time to pray over decisions. Our passage is Acts 13, verses 1 through to 12, out of the World English Bible. Now in the assembly that was at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, the foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they served the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for me, for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. When they were at Salamis, they proclaimed God's word in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their attendant. When they were gone through, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of understanding. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fastened his eyes on him and said, You son of the devil, full of all deceit and all cunning, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? Now, behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season." Immediately, a mist and darkness fell on him. He went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So Barnabas and Paul are in Antioch, continuing to teach, teach alongside Simeon, Lucius, Manion, the foster brother of Herod, Antipas, who was the father of last week's Herod that we looked at. And one of the things I love about this church in Antioch is that they were worshipping and spending time in prayer and fasting. It seemed they were eager to discover how God was working and to join with him. Rather than starting a whole bunch of ministries because they wanted to, it seems that rather they were devoting their time to worshipping God and praying, to being a family and providing for those in need as we saw a couple of weeks ago, was sending supplies to their brothers and sisters living in Judea. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit told them to send Barnabas and Paul off as missionaries, to do the work that he has called them for. And so the church did exactly that. They had taken the time to pray, to ask God to make clear the ministries to invest time, resources, and people in. And God answered, but it is so easy to try build our own ministries without significant time spent with God and prayer and fasting first. It can be all too easy to find ministries that sound like a good idea and will require a lot of our time and energy and then dive headfirst into those. And we do so with good motives. We want to serve God. But how often do we choose to first put a significant amount of time and energy into praying, into asking the Holy Spirit to make our path clear, 
to lead us to the ministry he's preparing. I am so guilty of jumping headlong into things without much prayer before I do. Time and again in my life, I've wandered close to burnout, and indeed I have burned out, all doing things that I thought were good and had just said yes to. And many of the things were good, but I've only got so much time and energy, and time and again I try to do everything instead of following the example of the Antioch Church and spending time in prayer and worship and fasting before starting something. I've just started things because they seemed like a good idea at the time. And what happens so often to me, though, is once I start something, I feel the pressure to just keep going, even if I realize I shouldn't have started it. Because if I quit, then I'm just a quitter who can't finish things. And so I keep going and going and going until sheer exhaustion and burnout forces me to quit. All the while, I tend to keep starting new things because I find something else that I think I should be doing instead. And as you can imagine, it is quite a vicious cycle. But reading today's passage led me to a question. How do we work out when it's time to quit something? It seems like an odd question to spring up from today's passage, but let me explain. If you're like me and have a busy life, a life that's perhaps too busy, how do you tell what to drop so you can pro- properly focus on other areas in your life? Or even how do you tell what to drop so you can spend more time with God? Every single one of us at some point in our life will have to quit something. But when it comes to, say, ministry, it can be really hard to decide whether to quit because ministry is good, right? We shouldn't quit good things, just bad things. One question we can ask ourselves is this. Is it currently bearing fruit? Fruit as in people being impacted by what we're doing. Are Christians being convicted or built up? Are those who don't know Christ hearing about him? Or are they just ignoring us? If we've been slogging away at a ministry for a while and it's not bearing any fruit, that could be an indication that it's time to put that ministry endeavor to rest and pursue something else after we spend a lot of time in prayer. One thing I noticed from today's passage is that even though the ministry was likely tough and exhausting, a lot of travel was involved, and facing people who actively sought to destroy Barnabas and Saul's witness, it's clear that God was behind that ministry. He was behind that effort they started. We know that because not only does verse 2 say that the Holy Spirit had set apart Barnabas and Saul, but also because the ministry bore fruit. And Holy Spirit-led ministries always bear fruit. One of the hallmarks of a ministry that's Spirit-led is that it bears fruit, That doesn't mean we'll always see the fruit, though, but the fruit will be there. Another mark is that the Holy Spirit will sustain those in the ministry and allow them to keep going, even during hardships, even during persecution, even during bad times. And we see that when we read through Acts, 
Look at the persecution and the hardship the believers face time and again, but also look at the fruit being produced. Now certainly there are times in ministries that we're involved in that we do face exhaustion, defeat, and it seems our ministry is fruitless. And it's easy to get discouraged in those times. Very easy. But if before we started that ministry, we spent time in prayer and fasting over the opportunity, and God made it clear that we should proceed, then perhaps we're facing a period of relying too much on our own strength, and not enough on the Holy Spirit to sustain us. Perhaps our pride has taken over and we're fighting by ourselves, not allowing the Holy Spirit to fight through us. In those times, what should we do? Or what if we dived headlong into a ministry? Or it's a ministry that someone else gave us, not one we even planned to do. What should we do in those times of exhaustion, defeat, and apparent fruitlessness? Should we keep going, keep going because we should, we agreed to it, and we shouldn't stop? The answer is actually the same for both. And it's this. Take the time to pray. Make the time to spend with God. Perhaps that means taking a break for a time from the ministry in order to pray and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. And I don't mean take time to sit and think about all the logical reasons for why we should or shouldn't continue. I mean kneel before God and earnestly pray for wisdom from our generous Father. And I don't mean a five-minute prayer. I mean keep praying. Pray till our knees hurt and then some more. Pray until our stomach rumbles and we need food and pray some more. Last week, we saw the believers in Jerusalem praying for potentially days for Peter's release. They were awake late at night praying. They were doubtless exhausted, hungry, and ready for sleep, but they were praying. This week, we see the believers in Antioch in prayer and fasting over what ministries to pursue. Time and again throughout Scripture, we see believers praying earnestly, fasting, not eating in order to continue praying and devoting themselves completely to God. And when was the last time any of us so earnestly sought the Holy Spirit's guidance on a decision that we just prayed about it? Personally, I know I don't do it anywhere near enough. Very rarely do I take decisions I make so seriously. Very rarely do I put that much weight on the Holy Spirit's guidance, on God's wisdom. And don't get me wrong, I think about things a lot. I ponder over decisions and I weigh up all the reasons for why or why not, why I shouldn't do something, why I should do something. I talk to people. I pray a few times for a whopping 30 seconds. I consider how I feel about it, whether I feel like doing it or not. But rarely do I purposefully clear my schedule and devote a large block of time to prayer over decisions. Some decisions I do pray a fair bit about. The decision of whether to stay in Saipan or head to the States was one such decision that had a lot of prayer for me recently. But most other decisions I don't take much time to pray about. And I should. 
So whether we're slogging away at a ministry that appears fruitless, or we're burned out and exhausted, the solution is the same. Even if we started that ministry with a lot of prayer and fasting, and it was clear that God was saying to do it, we should still take the time now to pray. But especially if we started a ministry without properly devoting it to God and prayer and asking Him whether it's what He wanted for us to start or it was something that we wanted to start, we should take the time now to pray about that. Even if that ministry is going well right now, take the time to pray and bring it before God. Because the best ministries we can be involved with are the ones that He has set for us, the ones that the Holy Spirit is leading. One thing that has taken me a long time to realize is the time with God, time in prayer, time in His Word, is never wasted time. My point this week is that before we start ministries, before we fill our lives with things to do, let's pray about them. Seriously pray about them. Not just for a minute every day or so, but spend hours, if necessary, in prayer, seeking God's will. Take as long as necessary for the Holy Spirit to make the path clear for us. And when we face times of doubt, of overwhelm, of exhaustion, of feeling that what we're doing is fruitless, clear our schedules and once again pray. It's easy to feel that we don't have time for prayer, but talking to our Father in Heaven is never a waste. And yet despite that, we fill our lives with nearly everything but prayer, time in God's Word, and worshipping Him. If you wanted to demonstrate to someone that you love them, would you fill up your life with everything but time with them? Or would you ruthlessly attack your schedule and force time with them into it, regardless of who gets annoyed at you because you're cutting out time to do stuff for them? How often do we ruthlessly attack our schedule and force it to allow us time to be with God? How often do we instead say, I'm just too busy. I've got so much to do. You don't understand. Work is crazy at the moment. I don't have time to pray. So my challenge this week is this. Attack your schedule, your busy life. Make time for God. Don't just fit him into five minutes before you sleep. Show him how much you love him by being willing to sacrifice something else in your schedule so you can instead spend time with him. After all, what's a bit of time compared to what he has sacrificed for us? What's risking someone being annoyed because we no longer have the time to keep them happy? compared to what Jesus sacrificed when he came to earth to pay the price for our sins. And then, when we face decisions, decisions for ministry, decisions for anything that will take up more of our time, block out a day to just spend praying. If we can't afford to take a day to pray for something, then we can't afford to take the time to do that thing either. And I promise Time in prayer won't be wasted. Rather, it could be the best possible time you've ever spent. 
You might need to sacrifice some things in order to make that time, but it will be worth the sacrifice. I promise you. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.